Hello, everybody. It is Papa. It's Shabbat Chazon. Only three Shabbatot are actually given names. The name for the Shabbat is given after the first words of the Haftarah uh, for this week, which deal with the vision of Isaiah. Chazon. And that word Chazon is very powerful. We say it when we say, It's the same word. It's the vision for the future of Israel. Unfortunately, Isaiah's vision first goes through tremendous sadness before he ultimately comes to the point of redemption and return. We start a new book, a new chapter, Devarim. And I just want to give you a few lessons that I think are very powerful from this week's parasha. I think the first one is that this parasha of Devarim is always read before Tisha B'Av. Tisha B'Av is the time when the temples were destroyed and when bad things have generally befallen our people. And why did that happen? Because this is when the sin of the spies, Chet HaMeraglim, was reported and took place. And the spies came back, 10 of the 12 said, it's a tough country, going to be hard, we won't make it, they're bigger than we are and we are grasshoppers in their eyes, etc. And God said to them then, in a big medrash, you're crying for nothing now, you're complaining now even though things are good, just for that I'll give you things to cry about, I'll give you things to complain about. And so the, the story of the Miraglim, which is repeated in this week's parsha, uh, in the reprise of the, of the whole Torah, in this week's parsha, uh, is reflected in its location right before Tisha B'Av. You cried for nothing, here's the reason to cry, and we still cry. So that is the first lesson. Of course, for us it means, don't cry for nothing. Little kids and big adults, don't cry for nothing. Be grateful and have trust in Hashem and all will be well. And uh, had the spies, the so-called spies, the ten, had that attitude, they would have uh, gone into the land with the right approach and everything would have been good as God had promised them. So we all have God's promise to be good to us and look after us. We need to have faith in that. So don't cry for nothing, God says, because if you do, I'll give you something to cry about. Never sin uh, with that. In the 12th verse of this uh, parsha, we uh, see the resonant word Echa appearing, which is a word that has negative connotations and refers to bad things that have happened and how could they have happened. And um, the book that we read is called Echa, the Megillah that we call is Echa. And so there's a big connection between this parasha and the book of Echa. The word Echa uh, has the same letters and is spelt the same way other than the vowels of the word Ayeka. And that Ayeka appears in the Gan Eden story right there at the beginning of Genesis in the Garden of Eden. And in response to that word of, of Ayeka, Adam and Eve are banished from the Garden of Eden. The same word is applied with slightly different, obviously, vowels for the banishment of the Jewish people from the Beit HaMikdash successively twice. And so there is a connection, a very deep connection, between Echa, which is how sad, how pitiful, how unfortunate, and Ayeka, which means, where are you? And perhaps the question we have to ask ourselves in order to avoid the Echa, the banishment, is the deep question of Ayeka. Where are you? Where do you stand? What do you stand for? Where are you in your life? And so on. And I think perhaps that lesson of using the word Ayeka to avoid ever the banishment of Echa 
would be a powerful lesson to take from this period of great sadness. This book is actually not a part of the Torah. It's in addition to the other four books. And the summary of the Torah is in this book where Moshe tells the people all the most critical lessons they need when they go into the land. So um, that is the role of Devarim, is it is a summary, it is a review, it is the first interpretation of the Torah for the next generation and sets the tone for all of the subsequent um, uh, interpretations and rabbinic discourse, the Talmud, the Gemara, and so on. The first example of that is the book of Devarim, where Moshe takes the Torah and reinterprets it, rephrases it so that it can be understood by the people at that time in the way that they could relate to it. The book is also called Mishnah Torah, which means a repetition of the Torah. And that's why in English it's called Deuteronomy. Deu from the word duo, which means second, and Ronomy, which means the Torah, Deuteronomy. Uh, and so it's the second Torah. That's why there are differences between what's repeated in the Tvarim and what actually happened in the Torah. Because what Moshe is saying is, it's not important what happened at this point in our lives. What's important is what we learn from those lessons, how we make them relevant to our lives. And that's what Devarim really is. It's Moshe's recounting. While many people think that Orthodox Judaism is what, what would be called Torah Judaism, the truth is that it's not Torah Judaism. It's actually Rabbinic Judaism, which means the Torah as refracted through the lens of generations of rabbis. That's a big realization, but the facts bear it out. And I think that this book of Devarim is the beginning of that great tradition and is the reason that it exists as part of the Torah. The Hasidic insight on the four books of the Torah and the one book which stands separate is symbolized by or connected with the tefillin we put on. Because the Shalrosh tefillin, the one we put on our head, actually has four separate compartment, compartments and the scrolls are four separate scrolls, and then those four compartments come together as a single piece physically, which is put on the head, as opposed to the hand, where all four verses of, of all four sections are put into the same scroll and put into one single box on the hand. And one could argue that while the four on the head represent intellectual Judaism, Judaism as it came from God, uh, and before refinement, refraction, and codification by uh, Moshe and then subsequent rabbis. Um, in fact, the, the shell yad, the one on the hand, which symbolizes action, is the one that in fact is the, is the successor to the pure Torah and becomes part of what one might think of as applied Torah. All the rules, the laws, the regulations, as they've been codified and expanded, by uh, first Moshe and then by successive generations. And so we see the four and one over there. Interestingly, um, the book that we read on Tish Abba'av called Echa has five chapters. And over there too, we see four chapters telling the narrative. And the fifth chapter stands alone as a summary and a repositioning of the previous four. But there is a much bigger point. When Moshe was appointed, was invited by God to lead the Jewish people, he said to him, Kilo ish dvarim anochi. I'm not a man of words. Why? I'm a man with a heavy tongue and a, and a heavy mouth. And that means he probably had some kind of a speech defect 
or a stutter. And look what happened to this man. From that lowly position, where he had no self-confidence, physical impediment, unwilling to rise to the challenge of being the leader of the Jewish people, from that, look at the journey he took to be not just a leader of the Jewish people, but to be an ish devarim of the greatest magnitude ever known to the Jewish people. The whole fifth book of the Torah is Moshe's Dvarim. That journey from Lo Ish Dvarim Anochi, from a man who is not a man of words, to be a master of words, of holy words, sacred words, relevant words, that is perhaps the greatest lesson that Moshe gave all of us. And that may be the reason why we call him to this day Moshe Rabbeinu, our teacher. Because among all the things he taught us, perhaps this one is the most important. Two powerful lessons that I think are worth covering before. Well, of course, there are many, but two that I think uh, jump out at me uh, are firstly, the idea that right after the, uh, right early on in this week's parsha, we see that Moshe talks about selecting judges and judgments and setting up a legal system. And we know that uh, since the primary task of Moshe in his final, uh, you know, eulogy or speech to the Jewish people admonishing them deals with setting up a model society in the land. And we learn from that, therefore, that one of the key elements of a model society is to have a proper system of judicial enforcement and enactment. And uh, as we look around the world today, we realize that that priority is entirely appropriate. The characteristics and qualities he looks for in the judges is a little different from what was said previously when the idea of having judges was put in. And the, the qualities he looks for are Chochmah, Bina, and Da'at. Those are the first three letters which form the word Chabad. And the word Chabad, the organization Chabad, comes from those three words in this week's parsha. In addition, at the beginning of the parsha, we learn all the places where the Jews have stationed themselves. And this is considered to be an admonishment by Moshe of the Jewish people, but done in the most delicate, most gentle, most sensitive way, by recounting every place where they uh, betrayed God, betrayed the trust that God had placed in them, they are given a very gentle reminder of uh, ingratitude and the, uh, that they exhibited and the uh, violations that they engaged in. Uh, one of the most interesting digs given is that the uh, distance between two places, um, one at the beginning of the 40 years and one at the end, is said to be uh, 11 days. And so we see that there was, in fact, a very short cut, which Moshe is reminding them of, had they not sinned at the spy and a bad report issue. And so we see how admonishment ought to work, specific, but gentle and caring as well. We do know that at some point in the future, and hopefully much sooner than later, uh, that this day of Tisha B'Av, will become a day of joy and festivity rather than sadness. The parasha starts off with Moshe speaking to Kol, the whole nation of Israel. And the rabbis tell us that Kol, the idea of standing before everybody as a unified, cohesive group, is the counterbalance to the day upcoming, which is Tisha B'Av, where we see the fracture of the people, where there was no Kol Israel. There was no single unified, but in fact, Sinat Chinam, pointless hatred and divisions characterized that time, which the rabbis teach us was the reason that we lost both the first temple and the second temple, 
and all the other tragedies that have befallen the Jewish people are traced back to that, uh, to that situation. In fact, it is called the Black Fast. Yom Kippur, which is also a very serious fast, is called a White Fast. It is a fast that although we fast, we are uh, angelic, optimistic, confident, and it's not a bad news fast at all. It's a time to imitate the angels and elevate our spirituality, whereas this is a black fast. And uh, in fact, it's so bad, so black and so dark that we need seven weeks of haftarot, called the haftarot of consolation. Over the next seven weeks, the, the prophets in the haftarot console us and comfort us as we uh, resume normalcy and recover from the tragic uh, incidents that have befallen our people. And so with that, I, I wish us an easy fast, a meaningful fast. And as the, my Lubavitch friends always tell me, may this be the last one ever. Take care. God bless. Shabbat Shalom.